It is time for Around the 412 with Smitty and Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler, and with me as always is my co-host Smitty. Go follow us on all of our social medias uh, at Around the 412, and go subscribe to us on YouTube. We just recently hit YouTube Partner, so we're going to try to grow that up um, some more. About 80% of you are not subscribed, so if you're not watching our videos, the subscribers aren't watching our videos, I have no idea who they are. Um, The the people in Ireland might be watching our video. We have a big following there, apparently. We're the number two uh pittsburgh sports podcast in ireland fun fact um but yeah go subscribe to us on youtube we're going to try to post more content there outside of the podcast and clips of shows that we already post up there as well and also go check out some of the links that we have in our description of our shows we have rocket around the 412 year six for the past five years we've been able to help with the help of all of you 20 raise twenty five thousand dollars for kids in our local area as well as last year partnering with the East Rochester Salvation Army and um, adopting kids off of their angel tree in the name of our late friend Dalton Keene. Um, that was a something that was a, a first last year, and we're going to continue to do that every year. And and for you can go click on the link, learn about the information. We basically try to provide kids um, the Christmas that they, they never had before and a Christmas that Smitty and I never had to worry about growing up. Um, so yeah, go check that out. That's in the link in the description of the show. It's also I it's also on our Twitter. If you search Rock Around the 412, even on, on GoFundMe.com, it'll it'll pop up there. And then also check out the uh, Everything Custom Designs with the, we have the Etsy link and the Facebook link for our friend Haley Wagner. She can make you some sweet shirts and, and hats coming soon. TBD. We don't know when, but we want hats. Yeah, you have to have like a special machine or something to do the hats. So TBD on that. But um. Yeah, and also like man with the rock around the four and two, like I'm just sitting here thinking about the whole angel tree thing, like you said, started because of losing our friend Dalt and then reaching out to uh his girlfriend Kaylee to provide Christmas for Isla and her saying, like, instead of that, can we adopt these kids from the Salvation Army with that money instead? And I'm just so excited for Isla like to continue to like grow up and watch the thing play out because her and Kaylee want to continue to be a part of it. Like she's all she's so much smarter right now and knows so much more than she did even just last year. Like at that age, from year to year, the way that they develop, like it's crazy. So she knows so mm-hmm. much more. She's like excited to like help wrap stuff and actually go shopping with Kaylee for stuff. So um it's gonna be really cool to see her like be able to be a part of it going forward too. Um but yeah, so this is the the Steelers episode for the week. As as we've mentioned, we're gonna be start putting out the show in three separate days, three consecutive days, doing each sports uh, on their own. So this is gonna be the Steelers show coming out uh, tonight. Actually, this one goes out the same day. Penguins this week will be Wednesday the twenty third, and then Pirates the twenty fourth. I'm only saying that and and putting the dates on them. So if something is like outdated by the time that you watch or listen to it, you understand why. Um, but with the Steelers stuff that we are we're talking about right now, let's go backwards. Let's go back in time to last Saturday's second preseason game. Kind of a continuation, if you will, for the ones, um, especially in the offensive side of the football, in my opinion. It just looked like they continued to carry over that momentum that we talked about last week. And you don't know how much momentum goes into it week to week. Defenses really aren't showing you a whole lot in this point. O- offenses really aren't trying to do a whole lot schematically at this point in the season either. But to see the ones do that against a, a good Buffalo 
defense. A lot of their starters playing in that game as well. Um, just another sign of encouragement, I think. And it's not just like last year's offense where it's like, even when they were successful, it's like it takes them 15 to 20 plays to do it, right? Like dink and dunk, get their way down the field, then find a way when they're in the red zone. They're finding explosive plays within this offense, whether that's Kenny hitting Fryermuth, ripping the middle of the seam with an absolute dart. I, I Maybe his second or third best throw already of his pro career, I would say, like including last regular season. Um, and then Jalen Warren finding an explosive play in the run game with unbelievable blocking. Dan Moore and Samalo sealing that edge. You got James Daniels pulling and climbing to the second level to get Matt Milano. And then the unsung hero of this, I think, turns it from a 15-yard gain into a 60-plus-yard touchdown as Deontay Johnson's blocked down the field. So they're finding explosive plays within this offense. They scored two touchdowns outside of the 30 last year all season. They've done it four times so far this preseason. Yeah, it's impressive. No no matter how you chalk it up, this is an impressive thing from your seeing, and I understand it is still preseason, so how much stock can you put into all of it? But the fact that they're able to to move the ball, even against if it's not a complete first-team defense that they're going against, I, I think that's impressive just on its own merit because of what we've seen from the offense under under Matt Canada and even going back to last year, what you were talking about where you you kind of had to have these very long, drawn-out, extended drives where you're, you're talking about like 10-plus plays to be able to move the ball down the field and get into scoring position, let alone actually score. So I, I think from what we've seen from the ones this year in these two preseason games is very encouraging. It's it's showing a lot of growth um, from your quarterback in one, but just from the, the entire unit as a whole. Um, the main thing that we've really worried about for the past several years was, was never on the defensive side of the ball is like, are we going to be able to put up points and can we move the ball? And I I think that they are showing that they were able to do that. And I think that Kenny is showing that he is poised to be able to be one of the, I'm not going to say he's one of one of the top end, uh, QBs in the, in the NFL, but you know, when it comes to actually being able to push the ball down the field and being able to compete in this like very competitive QB AFC, I, I think that he's showing that he's he's not a a slouch. He he's able to compete with some of these other guys that that are in the AFC as well. And so that's that's something that the Steelers needed to happen. And it's something that Kenny has shown, and it's something the offense has shown in these two games. And like I, I keep going back to it's preseason, but I just don't think you can take it for granted what they're doing right now because no matter who it's against, they're able to to move the ball, and that's something that they wouldn't have been able to do regardless if they were going against like a third string defense a couple of years ago. At least it felt that way. So I think it's it's super important that they gain the momentum now. That way, once we get to the actual season, we're just riding that in into San Francisco because. If you if you had a scenario where it was it just didn't seem like it was working out in in the preseason or they weren't really playing. I mean, last year the offense was really bad in the preseason last year, and everyone was just blowing it off, saying it was the preseason. But then the same thing happened for most of the regular season. Ex- exactly, and and the fact that they're playing the ones as much as they have. I mean, they 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 didn't need to give them two reps, especially after they scored on the first um the first drive of the game in game two. But then they went out there. And they then it took one play to score again for them. Um, that touchdown to Fryermuth, which I watched that play probably over two hundred times. Um, but, I love that Kenny didn't even like strap strap the, up. Yeah, yeah, he was like, "Well, oh, this is gonna be like one play." So, yeah, no, it's it's exciting and it's very encouraging. Um, 
and then that J- Jalen Warren run was awesome. He really turned on the Jets. You got to see some of his skill set and the the whole play watching it develop the, as you were wa- talking through it as well. When it when it comes to Samalu to Do- Johnson at, at the at the end of the play and then him taking it all the way to the house, that that's a play that you love to see. Um, and I will say that's probably the only running play that I was actually impressed with. Oh. Definitely that one, but I <laughs> average like as, one yard per carry. That's other the thing. Than that. As as much as as much as I'm going to say, I'm very impressed with the offense. I do think they still need to work on the run game a little bit. Um, but, but see, it's it's not a lot of the ones doing it though. Like it's the the run game that we've seen that that has failed in a lot of these first two preseason games has been like the second and third offensive line units as well. So. I don't I'm not like necessarily worried about that as much, at least. I mean, here's the thing. This third preseason game, I don't know what people were expecting talking with Allen. And then you look back at like how they handled that third preseason game last year. Um, we're going to see the starters for probably a half or so like there. So let's find out. Like we're going to find out in this game where this running game is at. OK, I, I, I would feel more comfortable with that because. If you take away Jalen Warren's long touchdown run, it, it looked absolutely atrocious from a box score standpoint uh, of a run game. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I didn't want to take away from the offense at all. Like when I was talking about it, like I'm trying to give them their praise, but that's the one thing where it's like, okay, that that needs to be yeah be uh, hashed out a little bit more. Um, but yeah, no, the the the, the Bills game offensively, I just feel like this team is so different, and I gotta give I gotta give credit to Matt Canada too because. They're executing yeah. the plays, but Matt Canada is the one, at least we think, is the one that's calling these plays. So I, I, and I got a lot of the same play. They're a lot of the same plays, they're, though. They're a lot of the, sa- the same plays, but I feel like th- he's giving Kenny a longer leash to, or giving him more of the playbook. And they're, at least from a route tree standpoint, I feel like they are targeting over the middle a lot more than they did last year with Kenny as a rookie, at least from the limited time that we've seen. And and maybe that's just Kenny being more comfortable throwing in that area. Um, yeah, I think I think, it, I, I think it, that the building that way. I think that that's that's the big thing. I think the right or not, whether they should have done it or not, I think they were handling Kenny with kid gloves last year and not letting him start out progressions looking down the field. For example, on that Fryermuth touchdown, he's got Najee Harris in the flat. I don't know if you've noticed that. You said you went back and watched it a ton of times. I don't know if at any time you notice Najee Harris there but no one went over there and covered him he could have checked it down and probably gotten a first down just by doing that and if Najee could break one tackle there he might have housed it on that play mm-hmm. but and I think that that's a I think that's the read that he goes to last year but now Kenny having full reign of this thing and feeling more comfortable within this offense he's looking to take that shot he's looking to fire that strike down the field and that's what he took so I think that right there that one play alone again understanding it's preseason showed us where Kenny is at right now this year as opposed to where he was at last season I know we were all super encouraged with the signs mainly because of like the late game heroics that he showed down the stretch last year not necessarily you know within the 20 yard lines and not necessarily for four quarters what he showed but specifically what he was showing down the stretch and in big games um but if that translates to a guy that can and and that's typically like the last thing that comes for quarterbacks is their ability to perform within those situations so if he's already got that down if we can now get some more consistent play get him better within the pocket within the structure of a play i i think that 
the physical tools, which are always going to be like the thing that everybody thinks is good. Like no one's going to question his work ethic and the non football playing aspect of being a quarterback when it comes to Kenny. It's what can he do? Like how good is his, is his arm good enough? Are the physical traits good enough? And I think, yeah, I, I think they're good enough. I don't think he has elite traits. I don't think anything about him is necessarily elite, but I think it's good enough. And the thing there too, and I'm not comparing them, but I'm just looking at some of the great quarterback, Tom Brady, arguably the greatest of all time. He didn't have great traits. Like that's not why, what made him a seven time Super Bowl champion. It's not like he had the greatest arm. It's not like he had the strongest, like his mind for the game, his ability to manipulate a pocket was what made him so great. Joe Burrow playing right now does not have elite traits the way he sees the game and can slow it down and just process the game better than anybody else probably right now is what makes him so good. So I'm going on a tangent right now, basically to say that while I don't think Kenny Pickett has like any elite trait about him, I think he can be at least a top half of the lead quarterback, if not within that like 12 to 15 range, which yeah, well, and, 15 is half. And that's what I was trying to say earlier when I was mentioning yeah. like the AFC quarterbacks too, because it's it's been said now, like looking at the AFC, if you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to win. Because look at all the the quarterbacks that are in the AFC now. Yeah. I don't think that Kenny is going to be a a top tier quarterback in the AFC or in the NFL in general. Like he's never going to be a Mahomes. He's never going to be an Allen. He he he's not that type of player. But he doesn't need to be. And and that's that's going with what you were saying. Like you, especially whenever you tie into the just the team as a whole. And you look at the defense that we have and the other traits of the offense, you don't need to have a Patrick Mahomes to win in the league. Sure, it's nice to have one, but I, I think if Kenny is able to connect all of the dots and be able to be the best version of himself, he is pushing for like that, that like top 10 player in, in the I mean look like, at you look at the back end of the top 10 you look at guys like Dak Kirk Cousins like, I was saying, I, I was Kirk, literally about to say Kirk there. Cousins like I I, yeah. I think that that's a good comparison to have like that's where if that's his ceiling I would take that Kirk Cousins has been a quarterback in the NFL for a long time sure he can't win in a primetime game but Kenny can we've already seen it that's, so I'm not worried thing. about that aspect and more mobile so, and he's more mobile. But if, if you're talking about where he's like a fringe top 10 guy, I think that's perfectly fine for the Steelers to be able to work with and to be able to win around that. And and, and, and that's maybe even us like short, shorting Kennedy a little bit. We have no the ceiling, this guy's ceiling is. I feel like Kennedy probably has a better idea than we do. But we're just saying if we're being conservative about where we think he could be, if that if that's where he's hovering around, like the 10 to 12 range, if he's connecting all the dots and getting to where he could be as an NFL starter, that could work perfectly for the Steelers. And I could see them winning with that, especially when you look at a full team's perspective and you include the defense in the whole, whole equation. I, I think that would be perfectly fine. And so from what we've seen from Kenny, it seems like he's on that trajectory to get where he, it, he may not be a Patrick Mahomes, but he is going to be, a, a Kirk Cousins. He can be very good in certain situations and he's going to be good enough for the Steelers to win some games. I think, you know, Nick Farabaugh talks about this one a lot. I think people forget how good Alex Smith was. Like, before Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, Alex Smith was there and they were winning a lot of football games. They were regularly in the playoffs. Like, I, I know that he lost his job in San Fran because, well, you know, Kaepernick was also cheaper at the time too. But Alex Smith was a good player. 
And if you have an Alex Smith type player within this offense with the weapons the Steelers have, I, I think that you can be a competitive football team. Um, I'm not saying one for one comparisons, but when you look at the athletic traits that Alex Smith had, the Kenny's, um, his ability to win football games with what he does down the stretch, just the way he sees the game right now. Um, it seems like mentally develops things at a quicker level and processes things. I think that's probably the best comp. Now that's obviously not like a current one. So I understand why people don't go to that one a lot. But when mm-hmm. Nick said that, I think that one made a lot of sense. Um, we talked about the weapons within the offense and two of those guys in the backfield, Jalen Warren, Najee Harris, uh, sparked a lot of debate when you talked within the fan base. It's it's funny because it's literally the Steelers themselves as an organization are not having this conversation. It's it's just the fan base that is. And people wanting to write off Najee Harris, say Jalen Warren should be the number one running back. Um, and it was a conversation that was happening before this 60 plus yard touchdown run on Saturday. That isn't what like started this conversation, but I think that it fueled it. It sparked it. That play happens. And all of a sudden it's a conversation again, that along with the fact that Najee's really not touching the ball in the preseason, they're very clearly preserving him for the regular season. Um, but I I wanted to get your take on this because, um, for me, the way I look at it is one, I look at having two running backs, basically the same as having three or four receivers. Now, like you need to have them. I almost view Jalen Warren as a starter within this offense because of that. Like you need at least those two running backs. Um, and they're just so different from each other until I see Jalen Warren and Najee Harris, both as running backs run within the same environment. And what I mean by that is down and distance, the same seeing the same amount of players in the box, like same situations. That's the better word probably than environment Mm -hmm. to be able to compare the two. I I'm just going to be thankful that we have both because I think that you need both to have a successful Pittsburgh Steelers offense. They're both on the team right now. This could be a conversation down the line where again, like we maybe prematurely started the conversation on here about would we pay Najee Harris? Maybe then you start having a conversation like probably not. If you got a guy like Jalen Warren for that much cheaper, but for right now, the time being, I don't think it's a conversation worth having because they're both going to get the ball a lot, I think. Well, and that's the thing. Would we pay Najee Harris? That conversation that we had, had Jalen Warren wasn't even in our minds. That was just strictly yeah. talking about Najee. Um, but when I, when you compare the two, I feel like that it's hard because I, I see what, what Steeler fans see in the flashy plays that Jalen Warren has had. And I completely understand why why they have the mindset. I, I completely understand why you're like, well, we haven't seen Najee do this. Well, I'm like, what I think is, if you went back and watched Najee at Alabama, you didn't see him do it there either. Like what what we saw from Jalen Warren on Saturday with a six. Yeah, you weren't you weren't expecting him to be a he, home run hitter. He's he's not that type of running back. He's the type of running back that is going to be a bell cow that will carry the load for twenty plus carries a game and be able to grind down a defense. That's what Najee is as opposed to Jalen Warren, which is more of a traditional, like he, he can uh, break, he can take the speed to the defense and, and really open up a run. I, I think it's valuable to have both. And I think it's good that you have two different running backs. It's, we don't have two running backs that, that are completely the same. And honestly, we probably have three running backs whenever everything is all said and done that are all completely different from each other. Um, because even though Jalen Warren has the speed, he's not Anthony McFarlane. Anthony McFarlane is not the other two. Najee's neither of the other ones. So I think that while there is debate on, at least among the fans, like, 
should Jalen Warren be the starting running back? I don't necessarily I think I would call him a starting running back, but I think this situationally, the Steelers have two guys where they feel comfortable playing either one with their ones on the field. And I and I, I think that there's not really that much of a step down between the two, at least as as I see it right now. And they're just different. It's it, I feel like it's hard to really compare them in my eyes and say one should be ahead of the other because they are different. I do think Najee's still the number one running back. And I think that as soon as the season starts, that's going to be clearly the case. But mm-hmm. I, I, I think that Jalen Warren still has his value there. So if we're having this conversation a couple years from now when, when it comes to paying Najee, then yeah, I mean, you're probably going to get me saying like, yeah, I'd rather have Jalen Warren and not pay, give a contract. But that's a completely different conversation. That's not saying this season I want him better or I want him over him. So I don't know. And I think I, even I, then you're also you're going to be having a conversation about bringing in another running back to go with Jalen. Like it's not just yeah. ending Jalen because because let's let's be honest. Like okay, so you look at Jalen's college career, right? Two years at Utah State, one year at Oklahoma State. The last year at Oklahoma State, he did have 281 uh, touches, 256 carries, 25 receptions. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> you look at like that workload compared to no- so in totality, three years, 452 touches. Najee had four years in college, although kind of sparingly that first season, he was part of a committee, 718 touches in college at Alabama. And I just think his body is more uh, built to take that type of contact that many touches. Jalen Warren, I I don't know that he's that he's built to take on that many touches in the NFL. So. I think even if we do have that conversation down the line and it's like, okay, yeah, we're letting Najee go, but Jalen Warren isn't just going to be a standalone back here. Like it's going to be the same conversation we're having now with wanting two guys. I mean, let's be honest. Jalen Warren is essentially, if you lost like 30 pounds and went out in the backfield, that that would be what (laughs) Jalen Warren is. So I I think he's got some like Austin Eckler vibes to him. Yeah. And I I agree with that. I can get on board with that. And but, he's not a very good runner, though. I, I think Jalen Warren might actually be a better runner than Eckler is, but probably. But but Jalen Warren and Najee are just so different. It's it's hard for me to have this conversation because I don't really view Jalen Warren as a as the running same running back as Najee, and I don't think that many people should. And also, you want to talk about Jalen Warren in college? Mm-hmm. I I he played BYU in college. I had no idea who he was. Yeah, I mean, it was really that last year so, Oklahoma State that he kind of, but he probably, yeah, he transferred probably because he wasn't really featured within that Utah State offense, I would assume, to Oklahoma State. Because it wasn't yeah, like he was a grad transfer or anything. Like, he just got out of there. Yeah. I guess B, he played BYU once, and he had two carries for two yards. So. Touch happens. Two run Touch hit a homer. Breaking the fourth wall. There it is. (laughs) We'll talk about that uh, in two days from now. Um, Yeah, so I I don't know. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think they need both in order to be a successful offense. I think there's a lot of times this year where we should see both on the field together. Um, I don't want either one for fantasy purposes. I'll say that. Uh, Yeah, that could be dicey. Especially, like, and obviously you can't really wait and see, right? Cause you would like to see some body of work going into the season to see how those carries are going to be divvied up. If it's like a 50, 50 split. Yeah. That's going to be rough. But a lot of teams are kind of going towards two backs. That was my point about like viewing both as pretty much starters for this team. 
Well, what's funny so. is that the one auction league, and this is going to make more sense to you than anybody listening, the, the auction league that I was in, I had the highest bid on Jalen Warren at like $1.8 million. Mm-hmm. And as, after that game on Saturday, his bid shot up a couple times, and I think the winning bid was at like $4.3 million. I was like, one yeah, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> one play. One play. They were that moved. Um, I, I, this, this guy continues to just impress. I think a ton of people are jumping on his bandwagon right now. As much as you could jump on like a fourth edge rushers bandwagon, Nick Herbig. When was the last time? And, and by the way, like his ascension is kind of taking the shine off Marcus Golden, who's been really good in training camp and in the preseason too. The Steelers being four deep at edge is something that I think everybody should be super happy about. And I'm not seeing a lot of conversation about like if we saw TJ miss significant time last year, obviously Malik Reed and uh, Jameer Jones had to play significant snaps for the 2022 Steelers on the worst case scenario where anything happens to Alex Highsmith or TJ Watt. The 2023 Steelers are in a much better place with Marcus Golden and Nick Herbig behind those guys. We were having a conversation about Nick Herbig being like an off-ball linebacker when we drafted him because of his size. I mean, thank God the Steelers let him go out there and be an edge rusher because Mm -hmm. he's already so good. Like, I mean, the bag of tools that that dude has already. I mean, he's got like it seems like a dozen different moves to go to, and he just he wants to keep adding to that bag, and it's just. It's really fun to watch him right now. It is. And this is something that I feel way more comfortable about this season than I did not just last season, but even previous seasons. Um, because one of the main concerns, honestly, going into this offseason and in and, and continuation of the season beforehand was the depth at the edge position. We had talked about like if TJ and Alex go down or one of the two go down, who's playing? Because there was nobody to step in and, and take and actually play significant snaps in those games. I mean, you're playing significant snaps, but you're not doing anything significant on the field. Um, we saw that last season with, with a couple guys. So the fact that they have a two deep being able to, to step in and we feel comfortable with, with either of those guys, obviously we want TJ and Alex to be there all the time. But in it's football and you can't bank on that. So having a two deep to be able to say, I am comfortable if you come in. And Nick Herbig, he has been amazing in this preseason. He, he's been the the most pleasant surprise I could have had going into the, this preseason. Hmm. Not that I thought he was going to be bad, but I did not think he was going to be this good and, and, and show, show that he was this good this early. So I feel super comfortable if he has to step in. And even if, if if it's if it's for a breather in in a game, if TJ or Alex is gassed and they and they have got uh, either him or Golden step in, I feel really comfortable that, about that situation. And Nick Herbig is making this this draft class along with some other players like look really good. It, it's it, it's it's the draft class we always hoped it would be. Whenever it, it, they actually drafted the players, and we're seeing it on the field, it just looks like such an amazing class. And Nick Herbig, honestly, has, has looked at like probably the best player in that draft class, at least in the, the preseason games that we've seen. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, one that, you know, how people always do those uh, like redoing the whatever draft yeah, or whatever. Like right now, man, just the, the early returns on this draft class. 
I, I put it out there like I mean half being sarcastic half serious like I think we're going to look back and say wow the Steelers drafted five players that should have gone like in the top 50 and that's not including Corey Trice who unfortunately we're not going to see this year mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's, um, it's crazy very excited. very excited about that group um one last preseason game on Thursday I mentioned um I don't know that people were necessarily expect. I don't know what people were expecting in terms of how much time we would see the starters and stuff. But for you personally, whether it's like somebody finally like locking down a spot or something like that, what are you looking for in this preseason finale? Um, you know, I'm, I would probably say that I'm looking to see, um, what is the offensive line going to look like? Are we going to see more, or really, Broderick Jones. That's what I'm looking at. That left tackle spot, because I think Dan Moore has solidified the spot as I think, the yeah. starting left tackle. But I want to mm-hmm. see the development still of Broderick Jones. I want to see him get better in these games. So I'm still anxious to see what he looks like. Um, and also, I I texted you about this. Like, who is going to emerge as the the final wide receiver? We have our top four, um, but we don't know who that fifth guy is going to be. And assuming. I assume they, they are only going to carry five. Um, I have a hard time imagining that they're going to carry six, but they already cut two this week. So are, are they, mm-hmm. which ones are going to continue to get cut as they go down to 53? Who's going to be that fifth wide receiver spot? Um, other than that, I mean, I, I'd like to still watch some of the defensive guys. Like I, I love watching some of the interior depth guys on the defensive line um, and seeing how they play. That's such a good group, man. Somebody's yeah. getting cut from that group that – is is going to very quickly find a job somewhere else in the NFL because yeah. there's probably nine guys that are NFL players on. And Monty Adams talked about this today. Nick wrote a story on this. He maybe got the quote of the year from Monty Adams, who's one of the best guys on the Steelers. He's talking about like becoming a leader on the defensive line and helping these young players get better. And he's like, if I may, if I help these guys get better and I get cut because of it, great. I'm going to find a job somewhere else. But I know yeah. that we have a really good group here, and we all deserve to be in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we 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 know what we we think those those starters would look like, but just the depth of defensive tackles, and the, those spots. I think that that's something that we all something also we haven't had in a while, like this this good of depth. I feel like, and just that whole defensive front. Um, and I I think that just watching the linebackers too. That's another position that really keen to watch this preseason i think they've done an okay job uh cole holcomb had probably his best game that we are like the best i've seen him as a Steeler. not, yeah, not like i've seen him much good. yeah i don't think he was very good in the first one so yeah yeah it's not like we've seen a ton of them but i I, th- mm-hmm. I thought he was pretty decent um continuation of like a landon roberts quan alexander what are these guys going to look like for for those inside guys so it's. I don't think there's a, a necessarily battle that I'm looking to see who if is going to be won by a certain player or another. I think I'm just looking to see the development of just position groups as a whole and how and how they continue to play. I want to see Shannon Sullivan versus Elijah Riley because one of those two is probably going to be playing quite a bit in the slot for this defense. Tomlin said uh, today, the time of recording this that he was comfortable with Patrick Peterson in the slot. We've seen him play one snap there so far through two preseason games. And I know that Tomlin said everybody that's healthy is going to play in this last one, but he also said that before the open, the first game. And then we didn't see like TJ, Cam Hayward, Minka, Patrick Peterson. So is Patrick Peterson for sure going to play in this game on Thursday? 
And if so, is he playing in the slot? Because that's what I want to see. That's my number one answer is the slot corner because I'm I'm not comfortable in obviously like who, who cares what I think compared to Mike Tomlin. Um, <laughs> but me personally, I just I have a hard time understanding that comfort level with what's on the roster right now in terms of options there. So that's the first thing to me is going to be the slot corners. Um, beyond that, I would say um, backup center. Is it still going to be Kendrick Green? Nate Herbig coming back from injury. Is he going to get some snaps at center? I know he's talked about wanting to play there and wanting to be available if they needed him to be center. Um, I that's That's honestly the spot where I think so this is the last preseason game on Thursday. Then we have quite a bit at like, it's not like they turn around and play regular season game. You have quite a bit of a tie. Like this is a weird mm-hmm. year. Um, you got to cut some guys from rosters. They're going to be, I think, heavily monitoring other teams rosters for a center option because I have a hard time envisioning. They feel good about going into this. I mean, Tomlin literally came out and said after the game, not good enough from Kendrick Green. Like, I think they're looking at other options there. They have to. I mean, he's been terrible, and it is a weird year because you you finish this game and then you have two and a half weeks still until September 10th when you play and open up the season. Which is why I think it's important for these guys to play in this game because they're going to be playing football for a while. Yeah, I think that's true too. Um, So we'll see. The the day our Pirates episode is coming out, the Steelers will be playing. So um, look forward to that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, some... uh, some guys will be playing their last snaps. Well, that's the other thing too, is it's going to be very telling because nobody that they know they're cutting is going to play in this game. So pretty much everybody that you see playing in this game is going to be making the roster or they're, they got a close call where they're trying to figure out a few spots. So this is absolutely the preseason game. That's worth watching for all four quarters. Like you don't got to turn it off when Tanner Morgan comes in. Cause you're going to see guys that are going to be on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. So great episode. A lot of good Steelers talking here. Um, made it a little bit shorter for you guys this week than last week. Let us know what you guys think. What are you looking forward to? Especially because we're going to be able to read the comments before the game actually happens on Thursday. So what are you guys looking forward to in that preseason finale? What is your take on the Jalen Warren, Najee Harris stuff? Um, how do you feel about Nick Herbert's ascension so far? Very early in his rookie, uh, season here. And, um, are you at all, are you buying into Matt Canada's offense yet? Or is everything on pause? I mean, t- don't get me wrong. I'm on pause. It's not like I'm saying he's the greatest <laughs> offensive coordinator. But let me know where you guys are at with it. Those are what we discussed. So, all right. If you are watching on YouTube, subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Leave us a like. I think there might even be some other ways to support the YouTube channel now, uh, being that we are partnered. So, if you were put off by the ads, I apologize, but we have been going at this on YouTube since 2017, and finally here we are, and we were able to monetize the channel, and that's thanks to you guys. So be a friend, tell a friend to subscribe to the channel. Leave us a five-star review if you are listening somewhere else, but if you are listening somewhere else, still come subscribe to the YouTube because of the reasons I just said. Uh, in the description of the show, wherever you are watching or listening, you're going to see some GoFundMes. Year six of Rock Around the 412, we raised $25,000 in the first five years of doing so. The mission being to give Christmas as best as we can to kids uh, in the local communities here in the 724-412 area codes and also partner up with the East Rochester uh, Salvation Army 
and give to as many kids possible from their angel tree. Um, and then our friend Haley Wagner's custom shirt and other stuff. I don't even know what all she does. And aprons, uh, back to school bags, Halloween bags, whatever. Um, all that custom stuff, the link to her Etsy and her Facebook page are down there as well. Thanks again for watching. We're listening to this episode of Around the Four and Do. Go check out our Penguins episode tomorrow. Or I guess maybe it's not tomorrow when you're watching or listening to this, but you guys get it. Or our Pirates episode, all that good stuff. And until next time, we'll see you. Bye-bye.